moving from the season of Epiphany to Lent. I love the season of Epiphany. I like the word Epiphany. And I know I've preached here on it before, and I'm not repeating that same sermon. I'm curious again, anybody remember what Epiphany means? Oh, a hand. Go for it. Diane? <laughs> yeah, it puts you on the spot. I know, yes. I mean, it means to appear. And so often light is associated with it, as you said. It, it's, we, we use it infrequently, but it's still used a little bit. I, I have this strange association in my mind with, a, with a, a weird commercial for a product I don't even like. Uh, but somebody is, is seeing somebody drink something or, or something else, and they go, oh, I could have. See, you know the same commercial. Unfortunately, they have more effect on us than we care to admit. You know, it's that sudden realization. Ah, oh, could have been different. The Church of Your Epiphany is also to give us, us those moments of realization. God is here. Things are different. Throughout the, the church and throughout the centuries, various texts have been associated with Epiphany, and I, I love preaching on these passages. And so I just, quick refresher, just so we can make this transition from Epiphany, but we need to get the wonders and the glory of Epiphany in front of us just a little bit. Anybody know a key epiphany story out of Matthew? Hint. The star and the wise men. Good, you got both. You know, the wise men was the obvious one, but the star as well. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. That's Matthew's epiphany story. Now, a little bit tougher, Mark, and I'm not giving you a hint yet. I'm going to see if anybody, Mark, a key coming of God. God showing up in a, an amazing way and people going, whoa. Hint, I'm not sure that painting will get it for you, but anybody? Baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Christ, the agent of God, coming and joining with us. We move to the Gospel of Luke. And he's got these stories of Jesus in the temple at a very young age. And, and Simeon and Anna going, oh, this is what we've longed for. Our long lives, this is what we've longed for. And it's here in this baby, in this child. And then Jesus shows up at the age of 12 in the temple he says, don't you know, I need to be about my father's business. God at work. John is different than the other Gospels and gives us a very interesting kind of early story that he says, this was the first sign that Jesus did. A sign to kind of show us something. Anybody know the first sign in the Gospel of John? I heard it already. You didn't need to hint water into wine. These are all just wonderful epiphany stories. God showing up. Coming into our world and saying, things are different because I'm here. 
That's the joy of Epiphany. I love the season of Epiphany. I do not like the season of Lent. I much rather have the joy, the excitement, the surprise. That's not Lent. Lent is meant to help us focus a little bit on what we know all too well, but we need to remember, and that is the brokenness of our world. The needs in our world. I don't like to focus on that. But I need to. So we're going to make the transition from Epiphany out of the Gospel of Matthew into Lent. We need that transition. We need Epiphany first, or we could not have Lent. If all you have is Lent without the presence of God, that's sad. But when you have a sense that God is here, then we can look at our need in the season of Lent. So we're going to look at it in a, a text that is a traditional epiphany text from Matthew chapter 2, that story of the wise men. I've been preaching this text for years, and in the last during the season of Epiphany and other places I've preached on this text. I love the story of the wise men. But as I was preaching it this year, I had an epiphany about something else in the text. So we'll read it here. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When... He had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. And they asked him where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's an epiphany story, but something else caught my attention. There is the star, yes. There is the wonder of God's creation that ought to catch our attention, and I hope it does at times. There was a special star here to catch attention, but it's also a testimony that God still works throughout his created world as the psalmist in Psalm 19 celebrated. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes over out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. I hope you see God in the wonders of his creation. In its beauty, in its colors, in its joys, in its celebrations. But we need more than a creator in our needs. 
We need that context that God is the creator of all and the world is still a wonderful and a magnificent and a beautiful place. We need that context, but it doesn't meet our deepest needs. The text goes on. It says there's more than the star. There was the scriptures. There was the scriptures to tell us more about God at work in the world and times past to tell us what he's done in order to give us guidance. And the psalmist again says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. What has God done in the past gives us direction for the future, helps us see better, helps us see God in our world. We need his creation, but it doesn't meet our deepest needs. We need his scripture, and it takes another step. And here was this scripture from long ago, already at the time of Jesus, from five, six centuries before that, from Micah. And Micah had said these words, and they went back to them. But here's what caught my attention. Here's how Matthew quotes it. What do you notice? Anything catch your attention that's different? Bethlehem? It's in both of them. Slightly different description, but just giving it a location a little bit. Bethlehem, the town of David? Okay. There's something significant about that for Matthew and for us and for the whole scripture. Small little town. But a ruler was going to come from there, and a ruler had come from there. But notice the difference at the end. Now, it would have made perfect sense for Matthew to quote Micah in that ending and say, this is the one who was from of old. This is the one that is from God of all ages and all eternity. This is God coming into our presence. But interestingly, he doesn't quote that. He adds a different line. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's what caught my attention this time. Why does Matthew change the words? Why a shepherd? Just think a minute. Why a shepherd? Some of you with some biblical knowledge and background might be thinking, well, that makes perfect sense in the tradition of David because David was a shepherd. And there is connection there. Others of you might think, if you really had good biblical knowledge, the prophets were looking forward to a new David and they called him a new shepherd. Even Ezekiel says that. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. And he will tend them and be their shepherd. And people long for a leader to shepherd them. It's one of their deepest needs. 
a more obscure text even back in the book of Numbers long ago when Moses knew that he was not going to lead the people into the promised land. He knew they needed another shepherd in place of himself. And so Joshua was, was appointed. And it said, you need a leader so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And that's what Israel was dealing with. So do we. Yes, Jesus associated with David. Yes, associated with the scriptures. But called a shepherd to meet our deepest need. And Matthew picks it up in chapter 9. Jesus went through all the village towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's why Matthew adds a shepherd. Yes, connected to David, but more importantly, connected to us and our need. We need shepherds. Gospel of John knew that need deeply as well and talked about the good shepherd. The one who laid down his life for the sheep. The one who knew his sheep. And the sheep knew him. He also said there are far more sheep that need shepherding. That's where we come in. For already back then, Jesus knew of our need. Every one of us has it in different forms and different shapes, but he knew it. Harassed and helpless at times. Hungry. Tired. Lost. I hope this maybe was ringing in some of your minds. There is that wonderful tradition of the most famous psalm of David. It is the psalm that addresses us in our needs. It is the psalm of the shepherd. I invite you to just close your eyes. Hear and see the words of this psalm. And let them address your need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul.
He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of death, I will fear no evil. you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why did Matthew add the line of a shepherd. Because he knew us. He knew the people of Israel in his own day. Harassed and helpless. And he knew the people still in the world today, us. At first Jesus said, I've been sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel because he came to those who were his own. He came to those who had been specially called by God. He came to them in their deep need because they have lost their way. But remember John said, but there's a lot of other sheep in need. There's a lot of other sheep harassed and helpless. And at the end of Matthew, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore to all nations. That's us. We're still those sheep in need, harassed, helpless. But remember, we can address that in the season in the light of epiphany. Things have changed. We can be honest about our need, our distress, our being lost and hungry and tired in the light of a shepherd who is here. And right after that verse, we saw the crowds and they had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Yes, we need the help of a shepherd. But he doesn't leave us. 
He doesn't leave us hungry. He feeds us. He gathers us. And then he says, look. Look around. Now who needs you? He came to Simon Peter, who had betrayed him. Simon Peter in deep need, remorse, apostasy, rejection. He said, Simon, son of John, Jonas, do you love me? Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. A second time he asked, do you love me? Simon said, Lord, I love you. Tend my sheep. A third time, do you really love me? Lord, I do. is both the shepherd and the needy. Let us pray.